I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. When I make a mistake on the mechanical bull, I just say I wasn't riding the mechanical bull. I was unriding it. It's high noon for Friday, April 16th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Parlor, at least for now, at I'm your moderator and check out the merch site at www.cancelcouture.com. Today is the 86th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, Hunter Biden, whose new memoir, Beautiful Things, has sold 10,000 638 full copies. Which means that after his massive media push to sell this very stupid book written by a man named Drew Jubera and not Hunter Biden, his publisher is now probably one thousandth of the way to recouping his $2 million book deal, a.k.a. money laundering. So congratulations, commies. You have put your money right where all of your mouths are. Unfortunately, there's only about 10,638 of you, even though it feels like there's 81 million of you. Now, it's Friday. Let's have some fun. And I especially mean that for the redeemable communists who may have accidentally wandered into the wrong room. Hi, commies. Stick with me. I'm going to probably anger, insult, and ridicule you in a way that you're not accustomed to because you always insulate yourself with people who think exactly what you think. But the truth is, you deserve it. And you need it. So stick around. And in a few weeks, a few short weeks of enduring what the rest of the country has to endure 24 hours a day, you're going to become an American again. Yesterday, I was discussing uh, the Jim Jordan, Anthony Fauci clip from the hearing at the House Subcommittee on Coronavirus. 
And I hadn't watched the entire hearing at the time. I figured it couldn't possibly get better than that little clip of Jim Jordan. But after watching the entire thing, oh, my goodness, it gets so much better. Now, there's another clip of Jim Jordan that I was going to play today anyway. The Gateway Pundit has already highlighted it, so maybe some of you have seen it. But if you haven't, here's some audio. Give us your best guess then. I just did. No, you didn't. You didn't give us a time. What, when do you think this is going to, are we going to be doing, are we going to be here two years from now wearing masks? No, I, I don't. Asking I Dr. Don't. Fauci the same question. Well, let, let me, let me, you're ranting again. Let me no, just. I'm not ranting. Yes, you are. No, I, I, here's how it works, Dr. Fauci. Right. I get to ask you the questions. You're the highest paid official in the United States government. You've given us your advice on baseball, on dating apps, on cruise ships. You told us zero masks, one mask, two masks, now back to one mask. I'm just asking you, when is it going to end? You can say I'm ranting. I'm actually asking the question that the citizens I get the privilege of representing, and my name actually goes on a ballot. I don't think your name's ever been on a ballot. My name goes on a ballot. The citizens I represent want to know the answer to when they can get their liberties back. You know, you can call I that ranting. I actually call it standing up for the Constitution, which I take an oath to uphold, Dr. Fauci, every year, every term that I serve in this Congress representing the folks in the 4th District of Ohio. So it is not ranting. It is defending the First Amendment. Bye, And we'd like an answer or your best guess since yeah. you've got an answer for everything else. Well, oh, beautiful for spacious skies. I love it. I love it. I just love it. Anthony Fauci is one of the most evil people in world history. And if you haven't come to that conclusion yet, I'm not sure what you've been paying attention to. Again, it is a joy to watch that entire hearing. And you also get to witness the clown show that is the Democrat Party and how pathetic People like Jim Clyburn and Maxine Waters actually are these people who have been lionized by Democrats for decades because, first of all, they're black. Sorry, it's true. There's no other reason in the world why anyone would admire Maxine Waters. She represents a district in South Los Angeles that she does not live in. Instead, she lives in a six million dollar house elsewhere in the city. She doesn't go back to her district. She doesn't campaign in her district. She just knows that the votes there are already stolen and given to her. So what's the point? Meanwhile, for decades and decades and decades, her district just crumbles. Drive through it sometime if you live in Los Angeles and tell me you think Maxine Waters is doing a good job. But that's not going to happen, is it, commies? Because Hollywood commies don't drive through South L.A unless it's by accident, and then they get out as fast as they can. And then they go right back home and they watch Maxine Waters yell and scream nonsense on MSNBC. And they think she's smart because she says things that make them feel righteously angry about Donald Trump. And then you've got Jim Clyburn there who at the end of that, first clip from Jim Jordan in that first round of questioning that I sampled yesterday. At the end of that, Jim Clyburn said that Americans can get their liberties back when 90% of the Congress 
gets vaccinated. And he was basically trying to take a cheap shot at Republicans who have not yet gotten the vaccine or have not publicized the fact that they have gotten the vaccine, because that's what half of the Democrats were talking about yesterday. How good of an example it would be to make sure that all the Republicans got the vaccine. And then he was called out on it later in the hearing, and he straight up lied and said that it's not what he said. It's on tape, okay? It is indisputable. His comments were relayed exactly the way he said them. Then he denied saying it, and then when he was pressed, and they were like, no, that's exactly what you said, he tried to reshape it and still fell flat on his face. Now, if you want me to say some good words about what Jim Clyburn might have done in the 60s or the 50s, okay, congratulations, I guess. It's not who you are now. You're not fighting for liberty now. You're not fighting for justice now. He's just there telling everybody to get vaccinated as many times as they need to. And then you've got Jamie Raskin. Or as you might remember him, Friar Cuck from the second fake impeachment. And it doesn't seem like Jamie Raskin has actually moved on from that absolute abomination. Because his line of questioning, it wasn't actually questioning. He was just trying to get stuff on tape so that MSNBC could maybe play it later on. But he was trying to measure the situation down at the border where kids are piled almost on top of each other in these enclosed spaces. And, you know, Republicans kept going off about how bad that was in terms of coronavirus mitigation strategy. And they kept asking the witnesses, Fauci, uh, Rochelle Walensky, and some other irrelevant guy. They kept asking them, hey, is this okay? Does this violate coronavirus policy? And if it does, why aren't you telling Joe Biden to fix this and stop allowing people to come here and stop putting them in these situations? And so Raskin was trying to take that and then say, yeah, you know, I hear my Republican colleagues getting all mad about this thing. But hey, Dr. Fauci, would you say that hundreds of people showing up at the Capitol for a violent insurrection would be a coronavirus hazard? Seriously. He did 10 minutes of that. He did his five minutes in the opening round of questions. And then as the second round of questions started, James Clyburn, who's the chairman, said, oh, well, Congressman Raskin has to leave. So he's just going to do another five minutes right now. And he kept doing the same thing. It's honestly, it's so embarrassing. It really is just shameful. I cannot believe that. That's like a grown adult man who's going to take his position of power and responsibility and use it that way. It's honestly sickening. Like these people have no principles and no moral core. You cannot be that dishonest in public while calling everyone else liars and completely trying to distract and grandstand about an issue you're pretending is important. If you want to understand how important Democrats think this issue is, just watch how they handle it. OK, the way they handle it is with signaling, with propaganda, with anti-scientific nonsense, with emotional platitudes. They don't care. 
if they did care, they'd be asking substantive questions like the Republicans did. But Clyburn and Waters and Raskin may not even have been the worst. The worst was a guy named Raja Krishnamurthy. I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am. But this guy tried to go off about Tucker Carlson and all this other stuff. But within that, he actually said, you know, Tucker Carlson's monologue about the effectiveness of these vaccines in the context of how Anthony Fauci is still saying that even if you're vaccinated, you can't return to normal life in any way. He mentions that the number one post on Facebook yesterday was that monologue. So it's hilarious that he's pointing that out and basically saying, hey, everybody, you should probably check this out. It really is getting shared a lot, even with Facebook censorship. So this dude was just straight up launching red pills at everyone with how bad his questions are. He is so, so bubbled and so convinced that everyone else is really stupid that he basically just gives up the goods and thinks he's winning. That part is hysterical to me. What's not hysterical was that he asked Dr. Fauci if he believed that Facebook should take Tucker Carlson's posts down and ban him from the platform. Okay. And I'm not sure if it was Jordan or Scalise later on who pointed this out. I think it was Jordan, but that is a U.S. congressman who probably wasn't legitimately elected, let's be honest, and who definitely failed to object to overwhelming evidence of election fraud. So he's finished either way. But that's a U.S. congressman asking a fake doctor, Dr. Fauci, to advise him on whether or not it was appropriate for Facebook to censor a member of the media, a U.S. congressman, okay? This should erase in anyone's mind the distinction that they're trying to make between public and private censorship. And this public-private thing is a problem in so many other ways, as you can see. Well, can we have vaccine ID cards? Jen Psaki says, well, we could give advisement on that, but we're not going to do it. Well, you can't do it because it's unconstitutional. So you're trying to get the private sector to do what you want so that you can say it's not you. That is a problem. That's fascism, actually. But this is a U.S. congressman asking for a media member to be censored by a private company that also controls most of what people in this country see. That should be horrifying if you're paying attention. But if you're a commie, you think that all of this is good and that you're so right and so righteous that you can make exceptions to what we believe are hard and fast rules and moral principles anytime you want because you know your cause is so just. It's amazing because that seems exactly like not having principles at all, doesn't it? 
So you have these clownish morons on the Democrat side. And then on the Republican side, they actually have a medical doctor and Marionette Miller Meeks, who you might recall was the woman that Nancy Pelosi was thinking about kicking out of the Congress and overturning her election. But she happens to be the former public health director of Iowa. So she actually speaks their language pretty well. And you'd think that she's probably worked a bit with the CDC. She actually knows what she's talking about. And so her lines of questioning were right on target. And you love to see it. I challenge any communist to watch the entire hearing yesterday and think that the party you support is doing a job for the American people and not simply for pharmaceutical companies. Now, back to Jim Jordan absolutely destroying Anthony Fauci. I love that he said all those things and they still have five days to submit questions. And I'm going to write down all the coronavirus questions that I think will expose Anthony Fauci. And if anyone out there has any connection to any of these congressmen or women, obviously, on the House subcommittee on coronavirus, please get them to them because these questions will expose the hell out of Anthony Fauci. And I will for sure post them. But Fauci is the highest paid official in the U.S. government. Can you believe that? The highest paid official in U.S. government. Plus, he gets money from other sources, including Moderna. And he cannot answer simple questions about what the metrics are. What are the metrics that are guiding your decisions? We get the people in this country vaccinated, the overwhelming majority of the people in the country. And we project that that will very likely be sometime in the beginning to mid of the summer. Because as the president has said, when we get to the end of May, there will be enough vaccinations to vaccinate everybody in the country. It will, the reason I can't give you a precise number because I'm not 100% sure well, how many people will want to be vaccinated. Well, That's you, what I'm saying. If you get the overwhelming number of people in the, in the... Okay, so you got it? Is that clear? Is that clear? Under 10,000 cases a day in a country of, we're told, 330 million people. That's the number? They can get 10,000 cases a day whenever they want. All they have to do is change the cycle threshold a little bit. So that is not any sort of mark. That's not any sort of metric. He's making that up. Cases are 100% irrelevant. If the person doesn't go into the hospital and doesn't die from the coronavirus, then there is absolutely no reason to restrict the behavior of anyone. And then, of course, he says that we can only get to that number when the overwhelming majority of Americans are vaccinated. That is scientifically false because that's not how herd immunity works. And one of the questions in the list of questions I write will be, how was herd immunity achieved before we had vaccines? But also the overwhelming majority is not a number. Okay. Is that 60%? 
Is it 90%? Is it 85%? Is it 68%? Who knows? And Fauci won't say. And he can't say because the premise here is already a lie. You gave us a guess on Texas. Look at the look at the chart here. You, this is seven day average of case rate per 100,000 people. You gave us a, your guess on Texas. You said when Texas ended their lockdown, ended their mandate, that this was, quote, inexplicable and would lead to a would lead to a surge in cases. Texas is near the bottom of the 50 states. But all the states at the top, all the states at the top are lockdown states. So how great was that? That guess didn't seem to be too good. It is joyful to me that someone is finally speaking to Anthony Fauci the way he deserves to be spoken to. I love this. Joe and Mika on Morning Joe, their heads were exploding because he was so rude. How could he be this rude? He's rude. He's rude. These are the things that that people who attack the Capitol say. What? Is that the best you've got? You can't say why he's wrong. You just say he's rude. And he's exactly right. All of the states at the top of that chart. In terms of most cases, those are all Democrat run lockdown states, the states that put sick people into nursing homes, for instance, the states that destroyed all their businesses, the states that still believe that two masks are healthy, those states the states that still don't have their kids in school so that they can appease the teachers unions. The states that are set to receive billions and billions and billions of taxpayer dollars to bail out those governors and fix their balance sheets after destroying their states. Those states are the ones with the high case counts. Texas has now been five and a half weeks since the mask mandate ended. And it has among the lowest COVID numbers in the country. Meanwhile, California, the state we used to all think of as leading the world in everything, the seventh largest economy, the most people, blah, 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 blah. Now they're number one in poverty. So that's how that communist experiment is going. You, what, what explains why Texas is so darn low compared to the rest of the states? Lockdown states have a much higher case rate than the state of Texas, which is uh, over a month ago now, said we're not going to lock down, we're not going to have all these mandates that you say we have to have. Yeah, there's a difference between lockdown and the people obeying the lockdown. So apparently, the Democrat governors put all these regulations in place, but their citizens are just stupid and don't obey, and that's the problem. You know, you could have a, a, a situation where they say we're going to lock down and yet you have people doing exactly what That's they want what, to is do. Is that what is happening in the top eight states in the country? They're just not they're just not following what, what's been told. They're not listening to Dr. Fauci. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're speaking so fast. I'm not even hearing what you're saying. Well, you can look at the numbers. I can't see that. It's too far away. It's funny that he couldn't hear Jim Jordan clearly ask, are these states simply just not? listening to Dr. Fauci. Is that what their problem is? And then he says, oh, I can't see them. They're too far away. Really? Bro, you don't know the case numbers for the states from the back of your head? You don't know that? You need a chart? You're going to contest his chart? His chart might not be correct? 
Anthony Fauci should know exactly how many cases there are. I mean, roughly, obviously, in all of the states, particularly the top ones that are the clearest problem. If we are being honest about describing them or if the states are being honest about their numbers. And of course, that second part, no chance. But if those numbers are real, then those states are a problem. In fact, they're the the country's biggest problem. One might notice that the states that aren't obeying Dr. Fauci are actually performing much, much, much better. And that the drivers of the coronavirus are, in fact, those communist lockdown states. And perhaps this has absolutely nothing to do with the vaccine, does it? Okay, well, Michigan's at 551 cases per 100,000. Texas is at 77. Wisconsin's at 109 because their state Supreme Court overruled their governor, their Republican court, and said, we're not going to have a lockdown in Wisconsin. And their numbers are five times lower than the state of Michigan, which is right next door. German time has expired. But Mr. Mr. Chairman, it's typical when there's a question on the table that the witness gets a chance to respond to that last question. I want to know why why Wisconsin's at 109 and right next door, Michigan's at 551. Michigan is locked down and Wisconsin isn't. I think the gentleman uh, answered you quite clearly. He didn't answer that. There's a big difference in being a lockdown state by order and being a state that obeys orders. That answered the question, in my opinion. Do you see what I meant about how James Clyburn's not a very smart guy? Get it? He just said that that was a clear answer from Dr. Fauci. The problem is that those states, the Democrat states, aren't obeying. And that somehow Texas, even without a lockdown or a mandate must just be obeying really well. Does that make sense to anyone? Of course not. James Clyburn literally helped make our point. And he doesn't even know it. That is what I consider very, very dumb. And again, I think that there is a real problem with anyone holding public office that uses the word obey like that. No one in public office should ever use the word obey. But I guess he's just following the science, right? I guess that's what the science must say, right? That people in the blue state simply aren't obeying. I guess that's what the science says. The epidemiological models are factoring in the level of obedience in Democrat states. And if obedience is the problem in these Democrat states, then why aren't they recommending policies that would encourage obedience? Hmm? Do they have that? Or is it just more lockdowns and trying to emotionally convince people of impending doom as the CDC director cries? This sort of nonsense is insulting to everyone, and it should be insulting to the people in the blue states who are being scolded by an idiot for not obeying him enough. And what is he imagining that people in Texas and Florida are just 
not making use of their normal life and instead they're obeying all the things Dr. Fauci says without the mandates? Is that what we're meant to believe? That is what Anthony Fauci and James Clyburn just put forth as the explanation. And let's not forget that James Clyburn is entirely responsible for Joe Biden winning the Democrat nomination. Remember, Joe was way down. And even Barack Obama came out and said that James Clyburn won South Carolina for Joe Biden. How did he win South Carolina for Joe Biden? Do they have some kind of system where they just steal black people's votes? And then they give us a ridiculous number and say, oh, well, you know, it was just all the black people that did it. That's literally the argument that they made on why Joe Biden had defeated Bernie Sanders. That's not me restating it. And that's not me exaggerating it. Barack Obama talked about that at John Lewis's funeral. And before I move on, I just want to go back to the... uh, the Raja Krishnamurthy line of questioning where he was talking about censorship. He asked all three of the witnesses whether or not they thought Facebook should take down that post. And not one of them, not one of them said that censorship is not the solution. They all had the opportunity to say, I don't like what Tucker Carlson's saying but I don't believe it's the responsibility of private companies to censor speech by the media. None of them said that. And then Fauci got challenged on it again later and had a second opportunity to answer. And he basically said that Tucker has the right to say what he wants to say, which is a half answer that sounds like a whole answer because the whole answer would have been, that private companies shouldn't be censoring people for their differences in opinion with Dr. Fauci. He didn't say that. He said that Tucker has the right to say things because he doesn't believe the first part. He likes the censorship. His daughter works at Twitter. I'm not making that up. That's not a conspiracy theory. Anthony Fauci's daughter works at Twitter. And just take note of the arrogance involved there. Anthony Fauci believes that he has the science. And so if someone disagrees with him, they're actually disagreeing with the science. So if a private company takes that down, he doesn't have a problem with it because they're disobeying the real science. But he still has no answer for the substance of the question. Now, let's switch gears to human election fraud machine, Stacey Abrams. This is an article from the National Pulse put up yesterday by the incredible Natalie Winters. This woman is amazing. You should be following Natalie Winters work all the time. It's incredible what the National Pulse is doing and what just the news is doing are both. It's it's brilliant. I'm so happy that they both exist. Exclusive, Stacey Abrams is on the board of a group collaborating with the Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) There you go. 
Stacey Abrams serves on the board of the Center for American Progress, which has participated in exchanges with a premier Chinese Communist Party linked propaganda organization for over a decade, even co-authoring reports with the group. The National Pulse can today reveal among its Democrat board members is Abrams, who remarked she was, quote, honored to be joining the board of the Center for American Progress, as it has been the forefront of progressive policy development and activism for years, end quote. What's more, the left-wing activists spoke at the group's 2019 conference to outline, quote, solutions to combat voter suppression efforts. Abrams urged Americans to fight for progress through litigation that combats regressive laws and expands voting rights, legislation such as H.R. 1 that offers historic democracy and voting reforms, and advocacy that centers communities of color and the disadvantaged to bring new voices to the table to change the country's trajectory. The Center for American Progress summarized. However, in conjunction with the group's years of left wing activism praised by Abrams, Center for American Progress has collaborated extensively with the Chinese Communist Party. The Center for American Progress has repeatedly partnered with the China United States Exchange Foundation on sponsored trips to China, reports and other endeavors for over a decade. Aided by Western lobbying firms, CUSEF has set out to, quote, effectively disseminate positive messages to the media, key influencers and opinion leaders and the general public, end quote, regarding China, according to Foreign Agent Registration Act filings with the Department of Justice. The National Pulse has previously revealed CUSEF's links to mainstream corporate media outlets and other leading political figures in the United States. Since 2009, the Center for American Progress has sent delegations to China as part of a CUSEF program. Brochures from the Chinese government-linked organization reveal Center for American Progress delegations have discussed, quote, a wide range of issues, including geopolitical cooperation, military-to-military collaboration, climate change, energy security, trade balance, and the global financial crisis, end quote. Both countries now must exhibit commitment and determination to build a positive, cooperative and comprehensive China-U.S. relationship for the future. A summary of remarks from delegation leader, Obama advisor and chief of staff to President Bill Clinton, John Podesta, stated. Got that? So John Podesta is overseeing a partnership between this progressive organization on whose board sits the human election fraud machine, Stacey Abrams, and they work on geopolitical cooperation, eh, okay, military-to-military -military collaboration. Oh, really? Why in the world is some progressive group trying to do work on a China-U.S military to military collaboration that's crazy energy security that's crazy trade balance crazy global financial crisis hey china isn't our buddy this progressive group with stacy abrams on the board is trying to set policy for america and a country that has concentration camps and basically monetizes slave labor through Walmart and Amazon. Images 
From 2011, reveal the delegation attending meetings with high-level apparatchiks in the Chinese Communist Party's, quote, Great Hall of the People. A foreign Chinese embassy's report on the event recounted how Chinese officials, quote, urged the United States to properly deal with Taiwan-related issues and attach importance to China's concerns, end quote. CUSEF has also boasted on its website that through 2016, expert delegations from Center for American Progress visited Beijing, frequently under the leadership of Podesta, Center for American Progress's chairman, to meet with the Chinese Communist Party officials, including military leaders. This timely visit was particularly of great interest to many as the U.S. general election began to take off, a summary noted. Following the 2013 delegation, Center for American Progress and CUSEF co-authored a 110-page report on the future of U.S.-China relations, urging closer economic ties and military collaboration. Again, this is one of those moments that you should understand the things I say about China, about China's forces being used in other countries to keep the peace and UN peacekeeping missions, these things aren't just crazy ideas I invented out of my head. That's real. That's Americans in the Democrat Communist Party trying to set up military collaborations with our greatest adversary, ignoring the fact that the Chinese Communist Party is a moral danger to every inch of this planet. Officials and experts in both countries need a more effective dialogue with their citizens on the importance of the U.S.-China relationship and what new model relations exercise is designed to prevent and achieve, the memo also encouraged. So I'm confused by this because it's my understanding that in totalitarian communist states, like China, the country doesn't really have much of a dialogue with its citizens. And we can see in America at this point, the country doesn't have much of a dialogue with its citizens either. Again, this is focused on officials and experts. (laughs) I've been making fun of the word expert for a year now, and I feel like it's basically like my Dogecoin investment which is going to the moon right now, by the way. Everyone can think it's stupid until it pays off for me way later. And if you haven't noticed, that's kind of how I'm setting this entire thing up. I'm not worried about people thinking I'm crazy or mean or too harsh in the short term because I see where this is going. And I have no doubts about whether or not the things I have said will hold up. Emails from Center for American Progress's China policy director and senior fellow Melanie Hart, who now serves in the Biden White House, also reveal she is, quote, fine with Chinese think tanks partnering with Western ones like Center for American Progress to do more, quote, international influencing. Basically, they are demanding that Chinese think tanks sharpen up and be more influential and famous. 
That's a quote. They want Chinese think tanks to partner with Western ones like us more and do more international influencing. That's fine. That's the quote from Melanie Hart. And that's the end of the article. But isn't that incredible? So we have Stacey Abrams, this criminal fraud of a Democrat communist star working directly with China, with the Chinese Communist Party to influence Americans through communications from officials and experts, a dialogue, if you will, with the citizens. And that's just fine. Also find that it's John Podesta, John Podesta, whose emails were released by WikiLeaks. And you can see John Podesta working in collaboration with George Soros and Dominion to steal the 2016 election. But they failed. Those emails are still there. They're still real. John Podesta didn't switch and become a different person. Okay. John Podesta is one of the biggest problems in the entire world. And that is just in black and white on his emails. You can read them yourself. And we don't even have to get into how much darker those emails get to understand that this John Podesta is the Clinton's guy. That's their guy. He does the dirty work. And sometimes the dirty work is stuff like this where you work hand in hand with China to undermine American interests. You work hand in hand with the Chinese Communist Party to undermine American interests. Military to military collaboration. Oh, how would you, by the way, get the U.S. military to work in collaboration with the military of the Chinese Communist Party? How might that happen? Well, they're not going to do it right away. So what would you have to do? Well, I guess that we might have to introduce critical race theory and other communist concepts into the military so that at some point in five years or 10 years or 20 years, however long this has been going on, that military might actually believe that there's a moral justification for defying their own oath and working collaboratively with the Chinese Communist Party because everybody knows that critical race theory is good. And that if Stacey Abrams is working with the Chinese Communist Party, it's not for communism. It's so that everything gets better for marginalized people. Duh. And you can't argue with her or else you're racist. I cannot wait for the day that Stacey Abrams is rotting in a prison cell. And hopefully John Podesta will get something worse than that. Now, I know this isn't going to be a very comfortable subject and probably no one is going to actually want to hear this part, but there's an article in the Federalist yesterday that just has to be pointed out. And it's by a woman named Edie Heipel. And the headline is federal government caught buying, quote, fresh flesh of aborted babies who could have survived as preemies. And if I haven't warned you enough, this article might make you ill. So just skip forward 10 minutes if you don't want to hear this, okay? And I can't warn you any more than that. I didn't write this. I'm just going to read it because people need to know. 
Last week, legal accountability group Judicial Watch dropped a bombshell, a nearly 600 page report proving the U.S. government has been buying and trafficking fresh aborted baby body parts. These body parts purchased by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to, quote, humanize mice and test biologic drugs in scientific experiments came from babies up to 24 weeks old gestation, just weeks from being born. While Americans may be used to hearing pro-lifers beat the warning drum on abortion groups, harvesting baby bodies and selling them for research, who hasn't heard of the lawsuit against David Delighton, who exposed Planned Parenthood haggling over baby lungs and livers at dinner parties. This time, the U.S. government was the one trafficking baby parts. Recent emails uncovered by Judicial Watch between FDA employees and the California-based Advanced Bioscience Resources prove the agency spent tens of thousands of dollars buying aborted babies for the unethical scientific experiments between 2012 and 2018. In 2018, the Trump administration terminated the contract, halting government fetal tissue research due to concerns the contracts were unlawful. Judicial Watch's new FOIA request adds 575 pages of records to its existing 2019 lawsuit against the agency. This is not the first time ABR has been in the spotlight, as the company was under congressional investigation for its longstanding involvement in fetal tissue trafficking. One of the oldest fetal tissue procurement firms, the company makes millions every year by harvesting organs like lungs, livers, eyeballs, and brains from aborted babies and reselling them at a profit. Emails between FDA officials and ABR employees reveal disturbing conversations as they collaborate to buy and sell aborted fetuses. Records indicate ABR was paid $12,000 upfront per baby, some survivable out of the womb, between the gestational age of 16 and 24 weeks. Most purchases are for intact thymuses and livers shipped, quote, fresh on wet ice, end quote. With the callousness of picking a cut of meat from the butcher shop, an FDA doctor requests tissue samples be procured from a baby boy as they claim it is strongly preferred to have a male fetus if at all possible, but undetermined sex or female is better than no tissue. Even more appalling is an ABR employee complaining about the difficulty of identifying the sex of aborted babies. Quote, we only check external genitalia, and if it's not there, we have no way of telling, end quote. The fact techs are unable to identify the sex of aborted babies is no surprise to those familiar with the barbaric nature of abortion procedures, which require clinic staff to piece together mangled remains of babies after their limbs and organs are torn apart. As if these casual orders weren't horrific enough, more emails confirm that the FDA bought organs of babies who were aborted well after 20 weeks gestation, after the time a baby usually can survive outside the womb. If nothing else, this confirms the reality of late-term abortions in the United States, which pro-abortion cheerleaders have denied for decades. When an ABR employee reassured the FDA they were working with doctors who performed late-term abortions, he admitted some tissue was unusable from a procedure that injects a poison called digoxin into the baby, destroying its cells and tissues. Once the chemical has done its work, an intact dead baby is delivered. This method makes fetal tissue specimens unusable in experiments. With digoxin off the table, the likelihood partial birth abortions were used is sickeningly high. These conversations should shock even those who are pro-abortion, most of whom believe in significant term restrictions. 
Babies at this level of development possess all characteristics necessary for surviving life outside the womb and premature children born as young as 21 weeks go on to lead healthy, thriving lives. These gruesome excerpts are just a sample of records substantiating the 2019 lawsuit Judicial Watch filed against HHS, which houses the FDA. In March this year, a federal court ordered the agency to release records it withheld about purchasing organs of aborted babies, saying it found, quote, reason to question, end quote, the transactions violated federal law. The court's decision found that the U.S. government bought second trimester livers, thymuses, brains, eyes, and lungs for hundreds of dollars apiece from ABR, stating ABR could collect, quote, over $2,000 on a single fetus it purchased for $60, end quote, and, quote, the federal government participated in this potentially illicit trade for years. I am happy that Donald Trump stopped that, but guess who didn't? everyone's hero, communist Barack Obama. Americans should be outraged that their government participates in the wide-scale human trafficking operation that created a market for harvesting the organs of murdered infants. In no humane society could such a violation of the human body and dignity occur in which babies' eyes are, quote, harvested immediately upon death, end quote. Organs marketed based on sex and personhood attributed to mice but not children. Until demanded otherwise, our society is complicit in the unchecked abuse and commodification of pre-born children. Moral urgency is incumbent on us to condemn these atrocities sanctioned by the federal government's lead medical researchers and fight to stop them. We may lose more battles before we win, but we cannot say we never knew. Now, that is one disgusting, powerful piece. I mean, I for my entire life was always pro-choice. I was just like, the baby doesn't have consciousness before a certain point. And at that point, it's a collection of cells. And I don't know how I feel now at this point about even early term abortion, but I see that moral question differently than this mid to late term stuff. And I'm sorry if that offends you. I honestly don't know entirely where I come down on this stuff. It is something that I think about a lot and my thoughts are developing, but I don't entirely know what I think about it. And I, that's as honest as I can be. But I do know that after the point where a baby could have developed consciousness, then it does have a right to life and you shouldn't be able to kill it. And this actually is so macabre that it goes well beyond that. Okay, this is actually an industry whose product is baby parts. And when I hear abortion advocates protesting any sort of restriction to abortion, even in the late term, it's hard not to believe that this isn't what they're aiming at and that it has nothing to do with the health of the mother or even the mental health of the mother or even a woman's body or right to choose. If you can financially incentivize abortion to people who don't have anything, you're going to get more abortions. Okay. If there is a business in selling aborted fetal tissue, that means it's entirely possible there's a business getting abortions. 
And I don't think anyone likes to think about that. And I know the feminists would be like, you can't say that. You don't know how it is for a mother to. And then they'll get exasperated and, and hit something because they're nonviolent and walk away. But I think we've all seen too much in the last year to pretend that there is some limit to human evil. And when we have a political party who we know is aligned with the Chinese Communist Party that has actual concentration camps right now. And in light of the discussion I had yesterday regarding modern slavery. Why are we to expect that every time Democrats scream and yell about how they need all of this money going to marginalized communities, that somehow that money never helps. We're still expected to think that that money is somehow justified and that it's not being put to really, really evil use. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe that anymore. If you're throwing millions and millions of dollars at a community for, for instance, encouraging voter participation, that euphemism, is it surprising that we see what we saw on the Project Veritas videos from Minneapolis, where people in Ilhan Omar's district, Somali people nonetheless, were paying people for their ballots and for their votes? Why do we need millions and millions of dollars to encourage voter participation? I don't know the answer to that, but I have a real hard time believing there's nothing nefarious about it. And when you read articles like this, I also have a real hard time believing that all that money we send all around the world for like feminism classes in Pakistan, that that money's somehow benefiting something and not going to stuff like this. And what are we supposed to think that it's QAnon? Running this program? No, it's the FDA. The FDA. The Food and Drug Administration. The ones who decided that hydroxychloroquine is unsafe. The ones who have made no move toward therapeutics. In fact, yesterday in that hearing in Congress, Fauci was describing scenarios where they might continually be producing new vaccines every year to fight off different variants. Well, that sounds exactly like the flu shot, doesn't it? And this is encouraged. They want everybody vaccinated all the time. More and more and more vaccines. And we know that these are experimental gene therapies. So really, what is going on here? This is the medical community of experts that we're being told that we should trust. We need to obey them. Blood is on these people's hands, more blood than anyone could ever imagine. The fact that people like me were pushed to the side last year for saying, hey, you're actually killing a lot more people with lockdowns, dummies. That's insulting. That's shameful. This is who these people are. In fact, I think I'm going to add to my list of questions to Dr. Fauci, 
How often is aborted fetal tissue being used in the sorts of research you all are doing? I would love to hear him answer that question. That would be fantastic. And again, I'm not some Luddite that is against scientific progress. But this is not scientific progress. This is a crime against humanity. So a couple of dorks can test out their theories. Humans have survived for millennia. They have survived without vaccines. And yes, I know about polio. Settle down. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is not that none of their scientific advances work. I understand that they do. What I'm saying is if we have to degrade our morality this far for the sake of scientific advancement, I would rather my ticket be punched earlier. Because this is horrific. All right. And I didn't want to end a Friday episode on that note. And I was going to do some QAnon stuff because there's this <laughs> there's this article in Time magazine that's like, I don't know, it's too long for me to do right now because it's like probably three or four thousand words long. But the headline is QAnon candidates are winning local elections. Can they be stopped? And <laughs> the woman's name is uh, Vera Bergengruen. This stuff is just getting out of control all week long. Every single day, one of these outlets has a new article about QAnon. And it's not even always Anon Palmer at Newsweek, although he is the funniest by accident, of course. But. This article, the, the picture that accompanies the article is the tentacle of an octopus or squid in the shape of a Q. And I guess the White House is being held up in its grip. Or maybe that's the, no, it's not the Capitol. I don't even know what building that is. Maybe it's the Capitol. It doesn't look like the Capitol. Whatever. I doubt they had the number one art team on this article. But check that out. Uh, if you want, it is under the category of Time Magazine politics, but then there's a subcategory called misinformation and disinformation. This is where we are now, straight into 1984, where they have a section of a formally credible news outlet focusing on misinformation and disinformation where they produce an article that misdescribes something they know nothing about. So I guess the good part is at least they have it labeled correctly. But I don't have enough time for that. And UAnon has not produced a normal Friday QAnon article. So instead, let's see how Jen Psaki is doing. Thanks, Jen. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas-Greenfield, talking to her group on Wednesday, said that, white, essentially said that white supremacy is woven into our founding documents and principles. Now, this statement is getting widely criticized as essentially parroting Chinese Communist Party talking points. So is the president going to remove her from her position as the representative before that body to promote United States 
Is the president going to remove an African-American woman with decades of experience in the Foreign Service who's widely respected around the world from her position as ambassador to the UN? He is not. He, will t he is proud to have her in that position. He, she is not only qualified, uh, he believes she is exactly the right person in that role at this moment in time. I have not seen her comments. I will say that there's no question that there has been a history of institutional racism in this country, and that doesn't require the U.N. ambassador to confirm that. Got it. The reporter is racist for asking if this woman should be allowed to stay in her position when she is expressing obviously anti-American values and parroting the same sort of slights that the Chinese Communist Party uses against us. Okay? These communists are doing the CCP's work when they do this. And Pisaki, as reprehensible as always, is absolutely dismissive of this. Her body language is awful. She is, oh God, man. All of these people are just so reprehensible. Essentially the same lecture, though, that the Chinese delegation gave Secretary Blinken in Alaska last month. So does the president think our founding documents are racist? Uh, I would say that uh, I will uh, I will leave my comments to speak for themselves. And certainly, I think most people recognize the history of systemic racism in our country. Uh, and uh, she was speaking to that. I mean, there you have it. Her comments about how it's racist to ask if that woman should be fired should stand for themselves when the question that was asked is whether or not Joe Biden believes that our founding documents are racist. You'll notice she didn't answer that question at all. And what is Joe Biden going to say? His mentor was a former Grand Kleagle and exalted Cyclops in the KKK. Yes, that's Joe Biden. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. 
or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!